Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus episode 78, The Avengers Endgame Spoiler Talk. Eastern West, and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I am your host, as always, the Hyper Sonic 55, and I'm glad you decided to join me once again for another film related discussion. And yeah, as I said with the last episode, which was the Avengers Endgame spoiler free episode, there was going to be some talk of spoilers. So here we are. It's the spoiler episode because Avengers Endgame is one of those sort of films that is filled to the brim with so much material that it is impossible to not talk about, at least with, you know, people that have seen the film. I have seen the film and it still reverberates in my mind and it probably will do for at least a few months. Not for the longest time have I seen a film that has literally just overwhelmed me so much emotionally and, you know... After I came out of the screening recently, I, you know, had nuts in my stomach. My mind was filled with all sorts of imagery of joy and pain and all sorts of wonderful and crazy things that I had just experienced. I don't think I'd been in that much of a, you know, emotional shock since I probably met Stan Lee back in 2014 at that convention in London. Um, even though that was a slightly different situation because I was in the presence of a god. But... <laughs> Anywho, Avengers Endgame, like it's been said numerous times by many different people and critics online, it is an experience, it's an event, and everyone that I know that's seen it is sort of just like, oh my god, everyone has the wind knocked out of their sails, jaws on the floor, emotionally heartbroken, uh, you know, enriched, satisfied, there's numerous positive and negative, like, you know, was it experiences that people have had watching this film, and yeah, for good reason, this film has... An emotional spectrum that goes all over the place. It is fan service up the wazoo. It has so many callbacks and references to the entirety of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And oh, it is such a satisfactory experience that, you, you know, you just have to talk about it in a spoiler-based fashion. It's just impossible not to. So yeah, this episode is going to be a little bit looser than usual. I'm just going to fire off a whole load of different things that stuck out to me. I'm not going to cover everything because, you know, we're talking about a three-hour film. To talk about every minute detail in there would take forever. And I don't have that kind of time, and I don't think you do either. So, I'm probably just going to start from the early side of the film and then work my way through and then just talk about certain highlights here and there to do with certain characters, interactions, certain story elements, the tone the way in which the film was able to fluctuate between like you know light-hearted and more serious stuff and obviously talk about you know very key moments in the film and you know obviously the whole time travel the main battle sequence stuff some of the stuff that happened with Captain America and uh, Iron Man obviously yeah there's a lot to cover so we'll just fire it off and see where it goes so without further ado we're gonna start so right away the main thing I want to start with was the uh, tone from the beginning, this film starts out fairly seriously and picks up right where we left off with Infinity War, in the sense that this film really just highlights the sort of 
disastrous and unsettling nature of what Thanos has done. You know, the concept of wiping out half the universe is a scary thought when you put it into context, but the fact that you see it play out and then see everybody try to deal with the emotional fallout that comes with that. You know, you have families of friends, loved ones that are all lost, and you know, there's people just trying to pick up the pieces. And especially in that whole five year gap where everybody just essentially tries to move on with their lives post, you know, Thanos is snapping. It's just so down and depressing, but it's depressing in a really good way because again, if you were living in this situation, you'd have to, you know, live in a world where a good chunk of people in not only the world, but in the universe is gone. Things would not be pleasant. And I just love how this film proper highlights that, you know, straight from the beginning, we see what I think a lot of us assumed that Hawkeye's family was just gone and the way in which they disappeared was masterfully shot. I love the way in which he, uh, you know, is with his daughter and uh, she walks off screen. And as she's off screen, when the camera pans back, she's gone. And the way in which the camera lingers on the, uh, you know, away from the family on the other side, you know, where the wife and the two boys are. As soon as he turns around, they're gone as well. Now, dude, man, that's just awful. So I can understand why, like, uh, Hawkeye in his situation, it's just like, you know what, my family went, but there's a whole load of bad guys that are still around, I'm gonna, you know, basically mess him up. I can understand what he's doing, obviously he's not going the right way of doing it, but still, man, just, that's a terrible thing to have. Like, you know, just imagine, you know, being around your family and they just disappear like that, grim. But then, for everybody else, seeing half of their teammates disappear, part of the Avengers families taken away, one of the things I really appreciated about the film was that Cap was having that sort of rehab group where they were discussing, you know, their experiences in this post-snapping world, trying to make things work. But, you know, eagle-eyed people realize, obviously, that was Joe Russo, one of the directors of the film. I love it when he shows up in films, and uh, this is the third film we've seen him in from uh, Winter Soldier and Civil War, and now this one. But it's interesting, you know, this guy, he's trying to go on a date with a another dude and uh you know was it one guy cries at one point and the other guy cries later on i'm just like yeah it's just interesting that people are trying to move on but they're still like you know was it living out the pain as each day goes on it's just like my god what a what a depressing world to live in but i'm glad that they highlighted that again these are the core elements that you know would reverberate in everybody's minds if you were living in such a crazy situation so i was i was appreciative that the russos the you know the writers marcus and mcfeely and uh, everybody else was on board to tell this you know super depressing story the presence of thanos's actions are felt throughout the film and before they get the idea to go into the past to go about and obviously um stop thanos's plan by you know collecting the infinity stones they basically lived in a world of defeat, especially after they found out that Thanos just decided, you know what, I've used the stones, it's great, now I don't need them, so I've just decided to destroy them. So at that point, everybody's essentially effed, and there's nothing you can do at that point except go back in time. So, with me mentioning the whole back in time thing, I want to mention, obviously, the time travel aspect of this film. Now, a lot of fans had figured out that time travel was going to be an aspect of this film, especially after Ant-Man and the Wasp when obviously Scott got stuck in the quantum realm in that film, so uh, a lot of people assumed that, oh yeah, Ant-Man must be the key 
to you know helping the Avengers not only in that way but maybe time travel might have something to do with it because the quantum realm has so many crazy and uh, mysterious and unexpected aspects when it comes to not only the microscopic like you know nature of it all but the fact that time works differently in there everyone assumed time travel so it wasn't so much of a surprise for me that time travel was in there but the way in which it was handled was pretty interesting because obviously this film tries to establish certain rules with the way in which time works in at least the MCU as opposed to what we know in film and TV to be you know basic time travel you have all these sort of rules and regulations of what you can and can't do when it comes to time travel obviously because of like you know was it back to the future and all the other films that were mentioned <laughs> in um you know the film with uh don Cheadle and uh paul rudd like mentioning all those different film examples i was like that is fantastic the pop culture references were on point in this film and it's interesting obviously bruce banner highlights that oh yeah the film version of time travel doesn't apply in the in basically their world so he's basically saying that none of that stuff applies if you went back in time you're you'd create basically a new timeline so that past would become your present so you can affect time but just not in the same way that it worked with film so i'm like okay cool i'm just gonna go with it because in the real world there is no such thing as time travel we don't know how it works we don't know if anybody would even survive such an endeavor um, until time travel has been perfected without any like you know is it room for error in you know real world science we only have like these theoretical versions of it to go by but yeah with the whole time travel thing i was like okay how are we gonna do this and then they just decided oh yeah with a plan that oh yeah the infinity stones were all in a certain amount of places in time you know three on earth and then some other ones dotted about in space and i'm like oh cool okay so we get to go back in time and it was so cool to go back to not only the battle of new york during 2012 when the first avengers took place but also get to go back to uh, asgard during you know 2013 and then get to go back to the corner of the galaxy where uh, you know we met the guardians for the first time and just seeing the absolute madness foolishness joy and reminiscing on good times that came with going back in time to see all these things was great firstly with the battle of new york getting to see all these different things from different angles like you know hulk smashing up some of the tatari like on the street level or seeing what happened after loki got cornered by the avengers asking for that drink and then we get to see them like you know take loki away in the elevator and then you get to see the guys from hydra aka shield you got to see my boy sit well i don't even know why i like sit well so much he's just my boy i've been a fan of sit well since i think probably you know one of the shorts he was in with the uh, the marvel shorts with agent colson but he really wasn't like apparent to me until I think maybe Thor because he was one of those sort of background characters. But then I'm like, yo, sit well, there he is in like, you know, uh, the Avengers. Then he shows up in Winter Soldier before he gets killed. And he was also in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. So I'm like, yo, sit well, I'm glad you died. But he was one of my favorite guys. So to see him in this film, I was like, yo, sit well, it's good to see him. But then it's like, yo, Rumlow, Crossbones, hype. And yeah, it was great. Seeing those guys picking up the uh, staff that had the Mind Stone in, I'm like, yo, man, these guys are dodge. How are you going to get away with this? And then when Cap got into the lift, then it's just like, oh, my God, it is just like the Winter Soldier all over again. Is this dude going to fight him? And then he's like, no, 
he came up with a plan to say that he, you know, got, uh, you know, permission from, like, uh, the secretary to go back and take point on the mission. And then he pulled the card. He pulled the Batman card of saying, you know, Hail Hydra. I was like, yes, mate. Oh, my gosh. Talk about using life experiences in, like, you know, the right situations. That was fabulous. Seeing Captain America have to go up against, like, you know, a younger, more, like, I guess, slightly naive version of himself was great. The whole line about... America's ass was great. That was really fun. And then, you know, seeing how Tony and uh, Ant-Man were almost able to pull off getting the Cosmic Cube back, like getting the Tesseract back. But then bloody Hulk comes out of nowhere, knocks him over. And then the way that Loki was just like, yup, I see what's going on here. Cool. I'm going to grab the Tesseract. I'm out. And I'm like, wow, what a Loki thing to do. And I was so annoyed when I'm watching. I'm like, everything was going so well. But then I'm like, Yep, something would have to go wrong because that is the nature of any plan. Nothing can go too well. You have to have some sort of problem. So that was interesting. On top of that, we also got to see um, the Hulk go to meet one of my first favorite cameos in this film. We got to see Tilda Swinton back as the ancient one. I'm like, yes, this is so cool. So then he tries to get like, you know, the... Uh, the time stone from her but you know she's like nah mate so then she uses the whole like her uh, powers to go about and knock his body like you know is it his actual form out of his like normal body and they have a little conversation seeing them talk about the concept of time altering reality and then talking about how Doctor Strange gave like Thanos a stone so she became aware of like what happens in the future and I'm like oh my gosh there is just so much stuff going on it was fabulous there was a whole lot of other random stuff that happened in like that 2012 period but it was really good just to see how much um continuity that there was and just filling out the gap with certain things that we didn't know how certain things went down also seeing secretary pierce there robert redford again after i swear they said that like you know it was made it notable in like the press that he retired from acting so i'm like how did you get him back again i'm like ah, oh. i was so happy just so happy look at again the continuity so good now moving on to Asgard in 2013, while Thor The Dark World is probably my least favourite of the MCU films, one of the things I really did like about it was Thor's relationship with his mother and the fact that Renee Russo got so much like you know screen time and stuff going on with her before she got killed by Malekith. So the fact that him and his mother got to have a heart to heart before she died was great because Renee Russo is one of those actresses I just like in most things. I've been a fan of her since I saw her in this film called Buddy back in like the late 90s, which was one of the only other like, you know, was it monkey slash ape related films that showed up, I think around the time that Mighty Joe Young and George's Jungle came out. But for some reason, we had Buddy on VHS. Me and my sister watched that all the time. And that's how we always remember her. Um, so seeing Renee Russo again, I was like, this is so good. And, you know, just having a little bit more insight with her about her saying, you know, she was raised by witches and she's aware that Thor from the future wasn't obviously the Thor that she knew from her timeline, which was great. And how she was sort of aware, I guess, about the concept of like, you know, was it not wanting to know the future? Just everything that's going to happen is going to happen. She was just willing to accept it. I'm like, that's great. Just their heart to heart was so lovely and just again the fact that we got to see her in person was it made everything to me i was so happy another surprise for me was seeing natalie portman back as jane foster even though she didn't really say anything she was just there to like you know get out of the bed the fact again that you know she said that she was done with the mcu pretty much just before like thor ragnarok came out so the fact that we even got her back in here i was like wow crazy man 
So now we go to 2014 and then we get to go to see what's going on with uh, Gamora and Nebula and I did enjoy seeing more of their like sisterly rivalry because we got aspects of that in the Guardians movies but the fact that we got just a little bit more of it was really good so to see um, that once the Gamora from the future came to the past the fact that those guys shared the same sort of like uh, as they said like you know Matrix so they shared obviously the same mind it was like oh my gosh and as soon as Thanos is like oh yeah I want to see everything in a memory bank so I'm like no the blast gonna go to crap Ah, oh, it frustrated me so much but at the same time I'm like okay so this is how Thanos flies back into the picture again because um, obviously the Thanos in the future had just been beheaded by Thor so that was just crazy but oh my gosh when he came up with this he was like okay I know in the future that I get killed but I also live out my plan of wiping out half the universe so wow just crazy the fact that we got to relive like um, one of the opening sequences from Guardians of the Galaxy with uh, Peter Quill on Morag dancing to come and get your love which is like one of my favorite jams it was great oh, just seeing the reaction <laughs> seeing the reaction from uh, War Machine and like Nebula was just great and the fact that just not the guy out so easily like Jesus man but yeah, Nebula, I just want to take some time to talk about her. From the time that she was introduced in this film, well not introduced, but the time we got to spend with her with uh, Stark on the ship, and they're just playing that little game with like, you know, those weird little silver triangles trying to hit them into little goals. I love Nebula. She's such a almost childlike cute individual who's not fully like accustomed to like, you know, what us human people know how to do. She's simple yet very effective and obviously she's very smart at constructing the ship but the way in which she had that early relationship with Tony, I love that. She was so nice and playful but also she had such a pivotal role in this. Obviously with her knowing so much about Thanos and his plan and how she helped the Avengers but then ended up getting captured by her old self, you know, sort of beat up and then ended up teaming up with Gamora to stop her older self and just before she got killed the fact that she you could see in her eyes that she would like to go about and change but because of her experiences with Thanos she's just emotionally scarred I'm like Nebula's got issues man and I feel for the girl I really do and she's been one of my favorite like uh, characters in this whole series who progressively got a little bit more screen time as the films went on but this is probably the most amount of like you know attention she's had since probably Guardians 2 so I'm just so happy to see that Nebula got the time of day and that she was so pivotal to you know stopping Thanos and you know just securing the gauntlet like you know when the time came so I'm like yo man Nebula like you know is it Karen Gillan much love much love and then obviously getting to return to Voromir with Black Widow and uh, Hawkeye I knew something was wrong because I'm just like okay either Thanos is gonna go to that planet and you know try to get something from those guys and maybe they might be able to spare one of Thanos' men to go about and do the exchange for the Soul Stone but then I'm just like nah I don't think that's gonna work out so then I'm just thinking okay it's gonna be either Black Widow or Hawkeye that's gonna you know have to sacrifice themselves I'm like oh no because I mean everyone's gonna automatically say get rid of Hawkeye he's at least like effective Avenger no one likes him blah 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 but I'm like you know what I, I like Hawkeye I'd much rather not see him after the character growth he's gotten, you know, just get dashed. But then, considering what he's done, since his family got, you know, wiped out, 
I wouldn't be completely opposed to seeing him die. But in the end, these two are fighting each other to stop one another to go about and kill themselves. And in the end, it was Black Widow. I was like, no, god damn it. Because I love Black Widow. She's one of my favorite characters. Like I said in the previous episode from The Avengers, she's become one of my favorites. And after all the drama she's been through, she's the one that ends up sacrificing herself. And I'm like, no, no. I'm like, so they just did it. They just, they just killed my girl like that. Pain. I don't like it. It still burns. Um, but anyway, everybody eventually gets back. But not before I forgot about one other timeline we go back to. We go back to the 1970s where we get a nice cameo from Stanley with the de-aging. And he looked great. And I'm like, oh, that was really quick. But I appreciate it. But the fact that we got to go back to this period and see not only a young Hank Pym who was still working on the shield with that crazy hairdo, but he looked so smooth, that de-aging was great. But then we got to see young John Slattery, and oh, he looked so wonderful. And him and Tony having that heart-to-heart was just amazing. Obviously, for those who are aware of, obviously, Tony's upbringing, how much he basically detested his father until Iron Man 2, when he found out about, like, you know, was it how much his dad actually did give a monkeys about him. I'm like, wow. So their awkward yet fun interaction was just delightful. And everybody knows it's a storytelling trope that most times when any character gets to reunite or have like a moment with a significant other, that's sort of the sign of death. I never paid attention to that the first time round, but you know, the more I thought about it, oh yeah, sh- damn, that's, that's just, you know, storytelling 101. <laughs> and just before, like, obviously, Howard left, the fact that they had old Jarvis, James Darcy, D-D-R-C, I don't know how to say his last name, but the fact that they got the original Jarvis from Agent Carter, I was elated, because that is the first and I think only form of television and film crossover between all the Marvel shows that's existed from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to Agent Carter to all the Netflix series this is the only one that had any continuity and I'm just like wow if it's just the last film in this current version of the MCU I'm at least pleased that we got the original Jarvis there and I'm pretty sure that unless you're a fan of Agent Carter you probably didn't notice that but for me I'd watched both seasons of Agent Carter. I really liked it. Yes, I even liked season two. And the original Jarvis from that show was really good. And the fact that they was able to get him there, I'm like, well, freaking done. I am so pleased. And obviously, uh, Cap goes on his own little mission to uh, secure, like, the uh, pin particles. But the fact that you also get to see, like, old Peggy Carter as well, I'm like, oh, Cap. Yeah, I can see where you're, like, yeah. Well, your mind's at right now, but you know, we got a mission to go on. So yeah, the fact that they went on this whole time travel mission and they were able to secure the stones and able to, you know, at least snap once with uh, Hulk, you know, using it and bearing the brunt of the pain. I was like, oh, okay, things are working out. But nope, Nebula, after she had switched places with the original Nebula, like uh, opened the portal and then got Thanos to come in and blow the bloody Avengers area to crap. And I'm like, Oh my god, this is a mess. And Thanos is just there, just chilling, waiting to go about and get the stones handed to him. I'm like, what a punk. And the Avengers have to, like, you know, scour the area, like, you know, pick themselves up, try to sort things out. And from there, just we enter into, like, you know, the final act of the film where we just see 
gorgeous madness ensue. We get to see the original trio of badasses from the Avengers, Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America just watching Thanos from a distance, and I'm just like, oh, this is so cool. You've got the three big titans of the OG team ready to go back and take this guy on. I was so hyped. I was so happy. And the fact that we got to see all these guys like uh, do what they're fighting, Thor get to go about and use two hammers, Stormbreaker and Mjolnir, to try and take on Thanos. That was so cool. And then the part where Thor looks like he's going to get stabbed almost in the same way that like he tried to stab Thanos. Well, he did stab Thanos at the end of uh, Infinity War. I'm like, oh my gosh, Thor, no, no, no. So then when the hammer goes about and smack the dude, I'm just like, but wait, it's not going back to Thor. And I'm like, ah, Captain America's got the hammer just like it does in the comics. He's worthy. Massive call back to Age of Ultron where he moved the thing a peg but now the man is worthy enough to hold Mjolnir and he goes to town on Thanos using the combination of the shield and hammer doing next level combos like the man's part of Mortal Kombat or Injustice or something I'm like yo it was insane and in the screen that I was in the amount of people wooing clapping going out of their minds it was fantastic so cool the way in which cap used the hammer and the shield in combination with each other he'd done some things that even thor had never done in some of these films it looked great until obviously cap started getting beaten up again and then had like his wonderful vibranium shield get cut in half and i'm like oh man it was just so much going on and then thanos is just like you know what i'm gonna you know make this personal i'm gonna mess you guys up i'm gonna mess up earth and i'm like oh this looks like a awful situation Thanos rains down all his ships all his henchmen even those annoying like um little what are you called the children of Thanos I can't remember what those guys are called specifically I think they're just called the children of Thanos so you see all the all four of those annoying guys come back again after we saw them get killed in Infinity War I'm like oh effort man how's anybody gonna try and do this so then when Cap's just trying to stand up and he hears like a message from Falcon on the uh, on his earpiece it's like yo man I'm going to, you know, on your left. And I'm like, ah, call back to Winter Soldier. So then the massive portal opens up and it's my boy from Wakanda. We get Black Panther. We get Shuri. We get Okoye. But then the portals just keep opening and I felt like I was having a heart attack. A heart attack of awesomeness, man. Like, Jesus. We get to see everybody come back. And I'm talking about everybody. We see Strange. We see... Oh my gosh, Peter Quill, Mantis, and Drax. And then my boy Spidey comes back. I'm like, yes, boy. But then we get to see all the um, people, you know, the uh, fighters from, like, the Mystic Arts people, basically. Doctor Strange peeps, we get to see them come back. We also get to see the rest of the Wakandan army come back. We also get to see the Asgardians and the Ravagers. And we also get to see just all these other heroes just showing up left, right, and center. Evangeline Lily's back as was. We also get to see Wanda Maximoff come back as well. We also get to see... Oh! This was a small yet notable thing. We get to see Gwyneth Paltrow in an actual armor suit for herself. Just similar to the rescue armor from the comics. I'm like, it's Gwyneth Paltrow in an armor suit. And I'm like, yes, baby. Give me that juice. And everybody's there just you know, teaming it up and Thanos is just like, well, crap, I didn't expect this, dude, where are all these people coming from? Everybody's striking a pose and it's literally just like one of those massive war splash pages from like, uh, you know, a comic book 
And I've seen all sorts of crazy battles in different levels of scales in film, TV and comic books and whatnot, but just not to this degree. It was just fangasm to 10,000. And then you just get the line that everybody's wanted to hear Cap say since, like, especially towards the end of Avengers number two. And he's just like, Avengers, assemble. I'm like, yes, baby. Oh, hype. Hype as hell. And you just get this crazy array of madness, of all sorts of stuff. Valkyrie riding in on her, like, you know, is it flying horse? giant man running through the battle messing people up you get to see a few shots of Mbaku and like Shuri taking people out Spider-Man going all over the place doing stuff Iron Man and rescue armors like just doing like all these ah! it was insane and then you get this crazy part of the battle where you know the heroes are trying to play keep away with the infinity gauntlet from Thanos so then you got Hawkeye running with it then he passes it to Black Panther then Spidey gets it and then with the help of uh, Pepper Potts she gives him a lift then they go with Valkyrie and then in the end it's Captain Marvel that helps like you know is it pass it on to her she eventually just shows up out of nowhere and just messes a whole lot of random stuff up and uh, speaking of Captain Marvel let me just say this I knew she was going to be in the film I hope that they'd use her you know effectively and the interesting thing is even though her personality was fairly similar to how it was in her own movie, I actually liked her direction and the way in which her character was in this film more so than her own, in her own solo film, essentially. And maybe that's just, you know, down to the direction, or maybe it's just because she was used in a more limited amount, but I felt she was used well for the scenes that she was in, and um, while I prefer her with her longer hair, she still looked kind of cool with the shorter hair. I know it's sort of like similar to some of the stuff that they were doing with the comics, but anyway, she was cool. She had some pretty cool fight sequences, and the way she was able to destroy the ships were pretty cool. I liked her sort of one-on-one -on -one with Thanos, where she seems pretty powerful, but she can still get beaten up when he was able to take the uh, Power Stone out of the uh, gauntlet and then still smack her with it. So I'm like, okay, cool, cool. That's nice. So she's not entirely invincible. But the fact that we got to see, like, all the Marvel women, like, uh, you know, come together and then do their whole little battle sequence was really cool. Now, I will admit that scene was very, very on the nose, but at the same time, for what it was, seeing all these female heroes all in the same place, I'm like, well, Marvel do have, like, a good selection of female heroes, so if they did want to do that spin-off, you do have enough characters now, for sure. But yeah, like, that whole end battle sequence is crazy. And, you know, just for a moment where you thought the heroes are winning, it's just, like, it's starting to get into a crazy situation. So then when Strange is looking at Tony, I'm like, no. So then Tony's doing the business, trying to get, like, you know, the glove off of Thanos. And then he's just like, oh, yeah, I am inevitable. But the stones ain't in your gauntlet, mate. Tony got the stones. And he's like, I am Iron Man. I'm like, yes, throwback hardcore to Iron Man 1. Hype. But then my boy, it took a toll on him. And just seeing the reaction from Rhodey, Spidey, and Pepper at the same time, I'm like, I can't deal, man. I knew my boy was probably going to perish, but it still hurt. The look on Tony's face as he's just holding on to life before he literally just, you know, succumbs to his, like, injuries and dies. I'm like, I was broken. So broken. It hurts. I've seen that twice now and it still burns but it was a beautiful death though so beautiful and the funeral sequence afterwards was just wonderful seeing how many of the characters showed up for his funeral 
everybody was there. Besides Gamora, who obviously was out in space somewhere. Well, you know, the new timeline Gamora. But the fact that they had everybody there. Even Nick Fury at the end, which was great. And there was that one dude there who was like, Who's that little boy? I don't recognize you. Who are you? I know every person in the MCU. I'm good with faces and names. And then I'm just like, Holy crap, that's Harley from Iron Man 3. The kid even showed up for the funeral. I'm like, Oh, madness. And then at the end of the funeral where, like, uh... Happy's there with Morgan, obviously, like uh, Tony's daughter, and she's just like, oh, she wants hamburger, she wants cheeseburger, sorry, and I'm like, cool back to Iron Man one way, that was the first thing he ate when he came back from, like, you know, being out in the desert, I'm like, ugh, I can't take it, movies trying to break me, I can't take it, man, pain and suffering, it's too much, but yeah, there was just so many perfect little moments throughout this film, especially when it came to the character interaction. Like, from when Tony came from space and he was having the conversation with uh, Cap about, like, um, you know, saying that they obviously should have armor around the world, that they would fight together, but they obviously weren't together when, you know, everything went to crap. And while Tony was clearly being a little harsh at the same time, I could totally understand where he was coming from. And the fact that he was just like, nah, mate, there is no Avengers. I'm done. You know, screw you. And I'm like, good God, man. There was so much tension and oh it was so uncomfortable and then you obviously have the moment before like uh, Black Widow kills herself the fact that these guys are like so close clearly we've known that like Hawkeye and um, Black Widow had like a special like relationship as like partners being in S.H.I.E.L.D. and you know obviously knowing each other's past and stuff like that so it made it all the much worse when Black Widow ends up dying because, you know, clearly Hawkeye gives a monkeys about her a lot. So does Bruce as well, because obviously they had that little thing back in Age of Ultron. And one of the most perfect moments for me was just seeing Tony finally hug Peter, you know, in the middle of the depths of that battle. I'm like, that's perfect, man. So good. And another great moment was, um, you know, once uh, Scott had come back from the Quantum Realm and he was like just becoming aware of all the people that basically died in the five years that he was gone and then he's running back to his house to try and figure out what happened to his daughter and then you find out his daughter's aged up by like a good chunk and I'm like wow dude I almost didn't recognize who it was because I thought it was going to be like Judy Greer going to the door but it was actually his daughter and I'm like she's aged up but I love that moment just it shows just a wonderful sense of like you know beautiful Reunions and I love reunions in films and it's just like it's so good and like Paul Rudd he was doing the business with like you know those subtle like dramatic moments it's really good and I like seeing this life where Tony has just decided you know what screw doing any Avengers based stuff I'm just gonna you know stay true to Pepper and I'm actually gonna be a family man and he had a he had a kid I'm like oh that's so nice and the kid is so adorable I love you 3000 I'm just like oh that's become the talk of so many comment sections that I've seen on Twitter and YouTube but yeah man everybody loves Tony Stark 3000 but his daughter is bloody adorable as well I like you know is it the adorable kids in like you know some of these films man they're really cool but yeah just so many great character moments throughout this film um, and the fact that we also got to see all the heroes have their moments to shine, especially like uh, Scarlet Witch after having like, you know, vision like taken from her. The fact that she was able to do so much against Thanos, I'm like, this is great. I really like this. Wanda, you're doing the business again. So again, there's just, there's too much things to mention. I probably left out a whole chunk of stuff, but I don't want to go on for too long. But um, 
let me just say that again this is an experience and it has so many varying levels of emotions that you'll be feeling so much happiness so much sadness depression melancholy but you know just moments of triumph and satisfaction that will just stay with you until long after the film is over and um, oh one other thing I didn't mention Fat Thor how freaking weird was that just the fact that you know Thor was just so disappointed and so like you know was it disillusioned after his defeat with Thanos that even after he killed him it was obviously not satisfying enough so he just became a fat drunkard like um and he just decided to live in like uh you know with <laughs> meek and friggin um what's the name of that stupid dude again like uh Taiko Titi's character from like Thor Ragnarok whose name I'm just forgetting right now anyway just the fact that he's just there shouting at kids on Fortnite and Korg there we go Korg is still the same that's great but the fact that he's just living in squalor living his life and just getting fat is just so depressing but it led to so many funny moments and the big Lebowski line was also great fantastic oh and speaking of fat Thor the one other thing I forgot to mention was just before he had traveled back to his own timeline the fact that he you know held out his hand and he was able to get Mjolnir back I was like oh my god look Thor got his old hammer back and don't get me wrong I like Stormbreak and all that but Mjolnir is my favorite so the fact that he was able to hold that hammer out and he's still able to get it, it's like yo I'm still worthy I'm like yes mate so you are but then at the same time he leaves and I'm like but Thor back in 2013, he, that dude don't got no hammer anymore. Uh, that's going to be a little awkward. How is he supposed to, like, you know, fight Malekith and, like, you know, uh, Curse? At least I think that's the name of that weird thing. I hope he didn't take it before that battle at the start of Thor the Dark World where there, you know, was it in that middle of that battle sequence? Because then Thor can't do diddly squat then, can he? But no, it was great to see him, you know, obtain the old hammer again and then use it against, like, uh, Thanos in the great battle later on afterwards. So, yeah, that's cool. I don't know about you guys, but I thought like Fat Thor was pretty cool, especially once he got the armor on. He was sort of rocking a bit of a Volstag kind of look to him, but I thought Fat Thor looked pretty cool in battle, so the fact that he's joining the Guardians now, like he apparently did in the comics as far as I'm aware, that could lead to an interesting dynamic if he ends up being part of the third Guardians movie. That would be pretty cool. Oh yeah, one other thing I forgot to mention was the fact that we had... Bruce Banner changed the way his appearance was, where he was able to fuse like the brain of himself along with the strength of the Hulk, and then I'm just like, what? Just seeing when you just cut to him in his Hulk form, but he's still talking just like Bruce, I'm just like, what is going on? This is so bizarre and unnatural, and yet at the same time, I'm like, yo, this is freaking cool. I've only ever seen this happen in the comics before, so the fact that they were able to translate that into the films, I'm like, man, that's great. After all these years of not being able to have full control over the Hulk or being one or the other, the fact that he's able to blend the two of them, that's great. But then the fact that, you know, he's taking pictures with those kids, he's dabbing, oh my god, which is so cringe, but at the same time, so great. And, uh, you know, there's at least obviously that scene where the kids are like, um, Ant-Man's like, oh yeah, want to take a picture with me? I'm Ant-Man. And they're like, nah. And he's like, nah, they don't know Ant-Man. And then you have that really awkward exchange. I'm like, my god. God, just make it stop. <laughs> but yeah, that was good. I mean, I liked seeing, you know, Banner, like, being this Hulk form. And then obviously when they go back to uh, New York and they have to pretend like he's being the Hulk, I'm like, my gosh, man, you've become such a pacifist. I, I understand why, but still I'm like, <laughs> it's so weird and bizarre, but at the same time, just really fun. But it was also interesting to see the death count in this film because we had the death of two OG Avengers in the form of Black Widow and Tony Stark. And if you add it on top of the death of all the characters from the previous film, 
there was no return of Loki. There was no return of Vision. And Gamora from the original timeline is gone. But this Gamora from 2014 has entered this timeline. So we technically have her back. But the previous one was dead. So it was interesting to see that so many of our OG characters were... Well, at least so many like notable OG characters were like gone. I'm like, oh god, man. How grim. But it was also very cool at the same time that Marvel would at least put some permanent, like, you know, permadeath on some of these characters. Uh, the only other thing that needs to be mentioned was, in terms of some of the issues I had with the film, was one, timeline-wise, uh, you know, when you're messing around with time travel, there's just a few things you can nitpick apart about if, you know, you go into the past and do this, that, and the other. There must be some causality. And while I can't give you any specific examples at the moment, the main thing I wanted to bring up was the ending, where Cap's supposed to go into the past to go about and return the Infinity Stones and Thor's hammer back to their respective places in the timeline to make sure that there's no timeline anomalies, essentially. But he goes back in time, decides to live his life out, but then also get married to Peggy, and, you know, was it live out his life like there? And while I'm happy for him to have, like, a win, you know, after all the stuff that he's ever done, at the same time, I'm just like, this just leads to a few things that, you know, just make you question, like, uh, shouldn't there be some causality for some of the stuff that he's done? Now, one could argue that if he's going back into the past, is he creating a new timeline where it doesn't affect the Peggy Carter who had a life of her own when Cap was on the ice? And, um, you know, was it he's just lived out another life and then just come back to this timeline afterwards? You could argue he may have done that. Or it, has he gone back to this sort of version of t the timeline and, you know, robbed Peggy of, like, the life that she had just because he wanted to be with her? It's one of those sort of things that if you think about it enough, you could sort of pick those things apart, you know, and that's the, one of the issues with time travel in general. There is no permanent rules that could ever be, like, properly effective, but... Yeah, it's one of those sort of things, but also beyond that, the fact that Cap was able to give the title of Captain America to uh, Falcon, which I was happy with, because, again, it was not only comic book accurate, but also, considering, like, the kind of person that Bucky is, and even though he could be a good Captain America, he still has a lot of blood on his hands from all the stuff he's done in the past, and... I don't think, you know, the government would <laughs> allow him to go about and do stuff like that, knowing that he could still be set off if someone knew the worst to set him off and become the Winter Soldier again. But I was just a disappointed, basically, that Bucky never got, like, an emotional send-off like everybody else did. Everybody else had, like, their moments to, you know, reconcile with their families or, you know, reconcile with their friends, have, like, that emotional payoff goodbye or whatever, and it was just strange that all he had was just a hug and that was about it. Even when old man Steve has come back, he doesn't even talk to him. Not at all. They don't even have any conversations. I'm just like, wow. That's just odd. It's something I'd like to pick the brains of, like, the writers and the Russos for, like, you know, doing. But, again, other than those things, again, the film was just delightful, incredible, emotional, all sorts of insane. And it was just so fun to see, you know them go back into the past and have all these crazy adventures from different points of view seeing some of these characters that we love actually die and see some of these just really surprising moments left right and center of just overwhelming odds against the avengers and then seeing them pull everything out of like the bag for the final act which was just the most insane beautiful comic booky nerdy thing i've ever seen in my life 
This film sort of has a really nice sense of finality to it, just like Return of the Jedi did, where everything's wrapped up, there's a celebration at the end with fireworks and people like, uh, you know, hugging each other and just saying, yo man, we lived through it, we did good, and we just got to see so many families reunited and it was just delightful, wonderful, powerful stuff. And I love how Marvel have taken us on this journey from Iron Man number one where the craziest thing that happened was just this billionaire like uh, playboy guy who was really smart built a suit of armor to go into space with the guardians finding out about stuff like asgard to go into the quantum realm and finding out about different realities and learning about these different stones that have all these different abilities to the point where we can have all these different characters with all these crazy different powers in numerous amounts fighting against aliens in a massive battle sequence that only nerdy comic book people would know about this is widely accepted now and it's just such a joyful feeling in my soul man so yeah according to Kevin Feige and some of the other people at Marvel this last phase is not over until Spider-Man Far From Home comes around and I'll be interested to see how they reference the events of Endgame and Infinity War in the new Spider-Man film because Peter Parker is essentially a changed man. He was essentially killed and then brought back. So I'm wondering how that's going to affect his life as a, you know, a school student essentially or a college student. I don't know how much time is going to pass between this film and then like, you know, whether he's going into a new year at school or college or whatever. So either way, I mean, I would like a break from these films for a while just to let it all marinate and like, you know, was it we could just go from the Disney Plus series, like WandaVision, like, you know, was it uh, Falcon and, like, Bucky, and uh, was it the Loki series as well? We could just go from there, that'd be great. You know, if we could just, like, you know, take some time just to chill out with that and to see how that pans out, that'd be fun. That'd be, that'd be fine. But anyway, that's pretty much the majority of stuff that I have to say about this film. Again, I thought Avengers Endgame was just brilliantly well paced for the most part besides like some moments in the middle where things sort of dragged a little bit but again everything had purpose there were so many minute details visual and audio cues left right and center for everybody who's been paying attention since 2008 i'm glad i've been able to be part of this journey and yeah just i'm sure there's a whole lot of other stuff that i'm not like mentioning at the moment but this is all the stuff that i found you know, interesting to me. If you had anything that I haven't mentioned, please be sure to drop it in the comment section below. I'd love to hear from you. And yeah, if you want to contact me, as always, you can find me on Twitter at hypersonic55 or at filmfocus55, or you can holler at me via the email to hypersonic555 at gmail.com. And yeah, just check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. We need your support. And when I say we, I mean me. But yeah, like, you know, is it if you can subscribe, like, you know, is it throw some uh, nice reviews my way? That'd be cool, man. But yeah. That's going to be it for the time being. I think I have another episode of the podcast ready to go in a bit, and that's going to be an interesting one for those who are part of a certain fandom. So, yeah, look forward to that when that comes. So, anyway, I'm going to cut it short here. Thank you for listening to me ramble, and until the next time, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. Peace! Thank mm-hmm. you.